listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello, this is Paul Strolley with State of the Arts. Sadly, Mr. Michael Sterling is not with us today. Michael, uh, he's not feeling too well. I knew something was up because I called him and... Uh, Michael, as as you all know, as all of our listeners know, Michael has those cashmere vocal cords, and uh, he just sounds like you know is the, is the best voice to have, best voice ever. And uh, as it turns out, uh, I called him up, and the phone was answered by Tom Waits with a tracheotomy. So <laughs> I knew that there was something that just wasn't right. So Michael, we uh, say hello to you. We hope you are well. And uh, who knows? Maybe Michael will call in and uh, say hello, and we can we can mock him on the air. Uh, State of the arts, as always. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Breakdown Services, for supporting us this year. Break Breakdown Services is the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit www.breakdownexpress.com. Our thanks also goes out to performingartslive.com for their support of our live arts calendar. Performing Arts Live is the most comprehensive online directory of event information for music, theater, and dance events in Southern California. Now, coming up, we will be talking to two of the stars of the hit CW television series Beverly Hills 90210. In the studio today will be Ryan Eggold, who plays who portrays West Beverly High's resident English teacher, Ryan Matthews. <laughs> we'll be talking with Ryan. We're, we're going to be talking to Ryan up front, but Ryan is actually running a little late, so we are going to begin our hour today with Jillian Zinzer, who plays 90210's sensitive, brooding surfer student, Ivy Sullivan. Is that an accurate description, do you think? Um, Would you sure, say so? Do you, sure. see, you look You look like the brooding type. You could pull off brooding, I think. What does that mean? No, no. <laughs> I mean, you'd pull off brooding. Yeah, you know, Ivy, Ivy has her down days, but um, <laughs> she, she's she's the offbeat, slightly awkward teenage girl on the show. Okay, okay, good. We look forward to talking to that. Good. Okay, good. So uh, Jillian's actually going to join us up front, but what's most uh, exciting about having these two guests on today, or one and then two, is that both Ryan and Jillian are currently in rehearsal for the world premiere of Amy and Elliot. A hilarious Gen X twist on what it means to grow up and fall in love, written and directed actually by one of our guests, its co-star, none other than Ryan Eckholt, who wrote and directed it. And boy, having done both, I've never done both at the same time, so I'm anxious to talk to him about that. Amy and Elliot opens at the Stella Adler Gilbert stage in Hollywood, a limited run, January 7th through the 30th. And uh, so we look forward to talking to them about that. Now, normally at this point, Jillian, we would talk about, Michael and I would talk about our week and our, our Christmas week and what we did. And um, But without Michael here, I'm just going to share it with you because I really do want your feedback on this. Because my my life is basically a series of humiliations separated by dinners out. That's basically <laughs> that's basically what it you is. You can't mean that. No, it is. It's actually really? true. So here's what happened to me. My wife and I like to go to this Greek... Do you like Greek food? Yeah. Okay. There's a Greek restaurant near our house in Tarzana called the Firehouse uh, Restaurant. It's at uh, Reseda and Victory in Tarzana. Now... You would never go into this place if you didn't know about it, because it looks a little looks a little gamey. It doesn't really look like the food is as good as it is. But the food is excellent. It's great Greek food. This is my official plug for the Firehouse Restaurant in Tarzana at Reseda and Victory. Great gyros, great gyro salad. So I call them up, and I'm driving around, and I put a to-go order in. And uh, I put the to-go order in, and then I just go about my business, and I go to pick up the food, and the guy behind the counter, he goes... So, you are a singer. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Because you, you, you sing, you sing. And now I've done theatrical things, but I haven't sang in in recent memory. I mean, musicals many years ago, but I, and I'm trying to figure it out. Turns out, 
after I placed the to-go order, didn't hang up the cell phone, was singing in the car. <laughs> and he thought, I don't know if he thought I was singing to him. Who but it was singing? A, now, is that really important? Well, Do we really have to? Okay, well, I'm not, not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what I was saying because I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do you one better, and that is... I got really preoccupied with what, how bad it sounded and what it must have sounded like. So I took the cell phone and I put it on the passenger seat where it was. And then I sang the same thing and just recorded it with the voice recorder. And I happened to have that file. <laughs> but I'm not going to play it now. Oh, but we should. I'm going to save that to the end. I, I'm going to save it to the end of the show so people will... Okay, yeah, a little tease on it, do you think? I think. Okay, now, be kind, okay? Just just be kind. This is what the, guy, the grill guy <laughs> at... This is what the grill guy at the Firehouse Greek Restaurant in Tarzana heard immediately after... I'd like a gyro salad with extra meat and a Diet Coke and an order of vegetarian domates. Do you hear the people sing, <laughs> singing the songs of angry men? It is the music of the people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, it is a life about to start where tomorrow comes. Okay. So. You just made my day. So Thank you. So, you sing, huh? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I sing in the car for myself, uh, for obvious reasons. So, okay, Jillian, so I was reading your bio stuff, and I, uh, you're, you're basically having the career that so many people dream about. You're very new to L.A. You just graduated NYU. Do you miss New York? I can't say that I do. Really? Yeah. Really? It surprised me. I, I've grown up on the East Coast all my life, and I've been such a city girl. Um, and you're and from there. Orig you're from there originally. I grew up in Washington D.C. Oh, okay. Spent a lot of time in New York. Moved there full time to go to school. Okay. Graduated, uh, and found my way over here in a kind of roundabout way. L.A. always scared me. You know, it's so cool to hate on Los Angeles. Yeah, right. York, exactly. Right? I don't, sure. I don't know why, um, but it was, and I did. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I moved here for the work. And and was very fortunate and started working immediately and have been working ever since, which has kept me here. But I've also, in, in the process, just fallen in love with it. It, c it could be because I live in Venice. Oh, in well. Abikini, which is just, you oh, know, light years away Ab from... Oh, Pizza? pizza? Have, oh. have you eaten an Abikini pizza? Oh, the salad, the, the Greek salad pizza? N no, the, the no the bagel crust pizza, Abikini yes, pizza with the bagel crust? Yes, next to Abbott's Habit. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Uh, it's, have it's, you tried their, their salad pizza? Uh, today's just going to be about Greek food and pizza. <laughs> we're really not interested in talking about theater or just no, no. Do tell, do tell, because now we got a Greek theme. What was the uh, what were you describing? Abikini salad pizza with a bagel crust. Abikini salad. And the spicy chipotle mayo sauce. No. Salad pizza. Mm. Is it the same place? Oh, you're missing out. Is it the same place? Yeah. Because I, I they didn't have a um they didn't have a, a salad pizza when I was there. Well, once again. <laughs> Once again, speaking about humiliating experiences, would you like to hear my humiliating experience at Abbott Kenny Pizza? Yes, please. I'm do. there with my brother-in-law, and we're. I said, you gotta have Abbott Kenny Pizza, and I'm sitting there, and he says, and we're eating our pizza, and he goes, hey, what was the name of the woman who played from Second City TV who played the mother in Beetlejuice? She's in all those uh, Christopher Guest movies, and I go, Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> And he goes, yeah. And I said, why do you ask? And he said, because she's sitting right behind you. <laughs> and of course, I just turned around and said, do you hear the people sing? <laughs> so humiliating. sorts of magical. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you come out here from New York, but so, you're, you're only in New York to attend NYU, so you don't, because you're from D.C. Well, no, I, but you'd be. why do people attend NYU? I, I was in New York to live and breathe New York, right. not to study. That just happened right. <laughs> alongside um, living, living and moving to New York. It, it, it kind of became an addiction, the city, for, you know, I guess... For whatever reason, New York is so addictive, and and I, I got a little bit lost in it, and it's it's so easy to procrastinate and just and walk around in circles and 
and while the city is incredibly inspiring and um, and the people there are, yeah. you know, unlike anywhere else, it, it, it became a little um, too much of a circular lifestyle for me. And so coming out to Los Angeles has been the perfect perfect change, a huge social detox and yeah, that's space a space and and work and um, consistency. And so I'm having I'm having a ball out here. That's I really, a that's I a it. cool way to put it though, because like, social detox. I never thought about that because when you're in New York, you just don't have any sort of break for yourself you just have no downtime you have no you're just going and going and going and uh then you get out here and you you know you're in your bubble in your automobile and you have at least a little bit of a break you know (laughs) i mean i find that to be the case i mean if nothing else you you have i have time for myself and i have time to to really um just to breathe in yeah. a lot of ways that I didn't in New York. And right now Ryan is the, would disagree. Is the perfect Ryan time. Uh, Ryan actually just joined what, us. Ryan, what, you what have I'm your headset on. I'm disagreeing with something. Yes, you are. You, oh. you, I'm <laughs> saying how moving. I, I love Los Angeles. I love Venice. You're, You're the New one. Right You're now. the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were just talking about. Humiliating uh, moments. I had this. I had this sort of theory about New York. Not to. Um, just drop you in this rhyme but i had this theory about new york and los angeles and my theory is that people in new york are warm but not friendly and people in la are friendly but not warm that was Mm. sort of because in new york i found that you will have you you'll be online at the bank and someone will you know they'll uh in New York, to start up a conversation with you sure. if you're online. That doesn't happen in L.A. very much. It's sort of like, I think, and I think it's a byproduct of that whole bubble thing. I think that people are just sort of encased in their cars and they're not used to social interaction. In New York, you have no choice but to be in Right, social. you're forced, you're on the street, you're on the subway, you're around people exactly. all the time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a big ship and it's sinking and everyone's <laughs> together. That's right. <laughs> Tom Waits actually said that. Uh, Tom Waits said that uh, New York is a big ship, it's sinking and the water's on fire. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> sort of loved great. that uh, yeah, that metaphor. Yeah, I think there's truth to that. I think LA yeah, is more individualized because of the cars, the driving and the traffic and it's so spread out, you know, and yeah. and New York is so concentrated and so right. full of people in one spot, you know. That's the one I really jones out there because I have a motorcycle and I took the motorcycle out yesterday, which I was just talking to my mother on the phone and she's still, I still can't understand it, boy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm here up to two friggin' feet of snow up my ass and you're riding a motorcycle the day after Christmas. Go to hell. Just go to hell. <laughs> yes, yes. We, like, they, we ho, always have that. Oh, mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. I'm sorry. What were you saying, Ron? <laughs> no, no. I just, just, we'll always have that over New York. The weather is uh, pretty nice here. Really. Yes, we will. Yeah. Yes, we will. So, Jillian, since we start with you, I do want to, I don't want to shortchange you. I want to wrap uh, this up with you and uh, not wrap it up with you but continue with you and then get to Ryan so we don't jump around too much but um, tell me about your uh, experience with the play obviously you're on 90210 and we're we decided that we're going to consciously talk about theater more than television today <laughs> so uh, tell us about the role that you're playing and then we can have Ryan follow up with sort of the uh, synopsis of the play and what it's about but tell us about your character Jolene Jolene is a breath of fresh air, I think, to the rest of the cast. She's she's a spunky, um, she's a spunky chick full of a lot of moxie, and she has this uh, this, I think Ryan put it like a quiet intelligence to her. She sees the world. Everything to her is sort of um, it, it, she just doesn't take the world seriously at all, you know. And 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 she lives in the moment and for the moment, and and she's an activist, not in like the literal sense only but she also just makes the most of of her life as she's living it which i think is is a a constant um question for elliot to her to her detriment in the play or does it benefit her in the play or does it, it hurt benefits him i mean that's yeah. that's their, their beautiful symbiotic relationship is is her is how she i guess helps him um not only believe in himself but put, she puts these little spurs beneath his feet and, and gives him that, that push that everyone needs at some point to to stop thinking and 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 to do and to take thought and move it into action and to to stop um, saying what if or maybe or one day but to to make that your your today you know to to gotcha uh, that sounded really eloquent no 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 it's it's I mean it's, she's it's, she's a young pup but she yeah. she really um she has like a, a really 
kind of nice kind of power to her in the way she she moves around in her own life and then uh, helps Elliot mobilize his own. Ryan, without without prying too much or getting you in trouble to anyone from your personal history, yeah. is she based on anyone or is she is, is Jolene? Of, yeah. No, Jolene is a nice creation of sort of a, a woman I I see in my head, but I I you know don't know personally. She's not based off anyone in particular. A hybrid of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so now you guys are in rehearsal right now, correct? Yeah. Okay. And you... <laughs> this is what I do. I wait for the guests to take large <laughs> glugs of water. <laughs> Just like, and tell me go. something now! <laughs> yeah. Tell me something now. Oh, we have to take a break? Okay. Well, you know, I think we should take a break. Do you hear the people sing? <laughs> Singing the... You missed the story, Ron, because you were... Uh, Late. You were flying up here. From I was. The parking I was flying garage, in from New York City. And I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, do it again. Uh, I won't play it again. But uh-huh. when you listen to the rebroadcast, you will hear the humiliating story of of my life and what <laughs> happened when I ordered Greek food and accidentally sang songs from Les Misérables to the owners of the Greek restaurant, not oh, knowing no. I had not turned my cell phone off. <laughs> so you'll get to uh, was listen that to in that. exchange for uh, for a tip? You gave them a song. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. what I should have said. But I don't. I didn't have that presence. Of mind, yeah. But the um, so uh, as I said, you guys are in rehearsal now, and it opens January seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a limited run, and it goes through the thirtieth of January. And this is at the Stella Adler Gilbert stage. We will definitely replug that before the uh, before the hour is over. We will get back to that. But right now, I think we're going to move ahead into our arts calendar because we have to pay the bills somehow. (laughs) And uh, if you will give me a moment here, I will share this with our listeners. The L.A. Philharmonic presents New Year's Eve with Kristen Chenoweth, Friday, December 31st, 7 and 10.30 at Walt Disney Concert Hall. Don't miss the chance to celebrate with this alluring Emmy and Tony Award winner and her dazzling backup singers, band, and dancers as she performs music from Glee, Promises, Promises, Wicked, and more. Stuffed and unstrung, 80 Jim Henson puppets, six comedians, 100% uncensored, an off-Broadway hit just last spring. This raucous and hilarious show is making its Southern California Orange County debut now through January 2nd at the Irvine Barclay Theater on campus at the University of Irvine in Irvine, California. I don't think I could, I've ever said Irvine more times in, in one, one sentence. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it's Irvine Barclay Theater, University of Irvine in Irvine, uninhibited, irreverent, and rebellious. It's never the same show twice. These freewheeling puppets and their human counterparts are a bit naughty, but really, really funny. This show is not for the kids, rather just for the grown-ups. For more information about the arts in Los Angeles and throughout Southern California, please visit PerformingArtsLive.com and as always, StateOfTheArtsLA.com That's StateOfTheArtsLA.com And as a reminder, if you have anything you want to hear us talk about on the show, send us an email at StateOfTheArtsLA at gmail com. That's stateoftheartsla at gmail.com. So I want to talk to Ryan, and then I want to talk to both of you collectively about the play, because I want to he- sort of hear your different uh, perspectives on these things. But Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here Thanks today. Thanks for having us, yeah. Everything go okay in the parking garage? It did, yeah. I got into a little scuffle with the valet guy. Did but you? But other than that, we're all right, yeah. Did you, did, yeah. You, did you teach him? I had to lay him out. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not yeah. proud of it. But. Every single day with me, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't phrase it exactly. I, I, no, no. What actu- actually I said, thank you, sir. Oh, yeah. So it was similar to that. Yes. <laughs> a little different. Yeah. So, Ryan, you two are uh, on 90210. I was talking to Jillian earlier and uh, before we actually went on the air, and I was saying how grateful we are um, as an arts-themed you know, themed, uh, radio show when people who are known for television... Uh, uh, turn their celebrity to live theater, especially in Los Angeles, where it needs a lot more help than it needs in New mm. York and uh, yeah. and Chicago. It's not so much the theater, it's the geography. Mm-hmm. Getting people out of their homes to see live theater in L.A. is, is one of God's great mysteries. Because <laughs> you know, yes. you're not cabbing it and you're not you know meeting at restaurants. But um, do give us a little uh, breakdown of how you... Uh, how the play occurred to you and the journey of uh, getting it to the stage. Sure. Um, and just reiterating what you said, yeah, it's, it's it's really nice to be able to take a moment to go back to theater, which I grew up doing and have a you know tremendous love for. And 
It is hard to get. And both. some wonderful credits, by the way. I looked through your your bio stuff. I was very impressed. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of good plays. A lot of good theaters. Yeah. Um, uh, it's I, you know, I love I love doing it. Um, so it's nice to be able to take some time to uh, to get back to that, and uh, it's it's refreshing, you know. Um, but this play came about when I was graduating college. Uh, I went to SC for theater, and I graduated four years ago. And I um, I just wrote this one scene, the first scene of the play. Um, and everybody really loved it, and that people were laughing, and it went really well. And I said, well, why don't I keep writing this? And so I just kept writing and wrote the full-length play. And I, I wrote it when I was really in that transition of college to the real world, you know. So I was very much in that transition of uh, just of, of growing up and realizing, uh, you know, how, how hard it is. And, and sort of how you saw it going isn't really the way it is necessarily. And Same age as the characters that are in, that are in the play you were when... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're all kind of mid twenties okay. for the most part in the show, and and so um, and so yeah, it came out of that, and and uh, and uh, and it, it turned out pretty well, I think. Now I did some research on it. I was just looking up uh, the different things, and I, it came up on IMDb. Was it a short film before? Oh, that, yeah. That, <laughs> that's a short that. A <laughs> or did I just reveal something you didn't yeah, want yeah, known? No, it's all right. It's a friend. <laughs> it's a. It was a little. Uh, project with some friends, yeah, that uh, I didn't really want on IMDb entirely, but hey, that's not my decision. That goes back to the theme of the play. You don't always get what you want. Okay. So, um, but uh, but yeah, so that was just we were kind of experimenting with the play on on film, but which which I may do one day. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. And now your. Uh the decision to can can without giving too much away and and not keeping people away from actually coming and buying tickets. Can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of the or if you would prefer not to? I sure. Totally no. Understand. No. 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 I'm all, I'm all for it. It's it's you know it's not a tremendous mystery. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of things you've seen before with a lot of fresh characters and fresh dialogue. And it's basically about a guy and girl best friend, Amy and Elliot, and she's getting married, and it sort of propels Elliot into this uh, freaking out about uh, you know growing up and moving on and settling and things becoming final and uh, him not wanting to call it done yet you know wanting not wanting to say this is my life yet and uh, and fighting that transition and um, and so there's a lot of humor that comes out of that and there's another character is uh, is uh, Robert Baker plays Michael the fiance and and Michael and Elliot are kind of opposites you know he's kind of together and he's a doctor in his first year and he's really okay. you know got things moving for himself and Elliot sort of has dreams of being a musician but kind of sits at home and doesn't really do anything other than fiddle with his guitar so um, so there's a lot of uh, you know different foils at play like that gotcha and what is your the relationship of the two of you in the world to play we meet Jillian's character Jolene in act two and um, and there's there's a big reveal with with sort of who she is and how she relates to everybody. And turns uh, out she's posted the play on IMDb. Yes, exactly. Then there's, and then there's a big you know fight on stage. <laughs> there's a fight. <laughs> yeah, you beat up the valet park guy, and there's much rejoicing. And yes, it gets ugly. It <laughs> gets really Les ugly. <laughs> yes, while Paul sings Les Mis in the background, it's really lovely. Hey, don't make me play that file. <laughs> I will. Because the other thing I didn't play was the Greek man's reaction to it. Oh. <laughs> so, so he loved it. It went well. He apparently. did. Yeah, he did. that's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and there's a bit of a, a bit of a romance that takes place between between uh, Elliot and Jolene, and uh, and it's a lot of fun because they're they're very similar but very different in a lot of ways. Like Jolene was saying, she's kind of more active and more about making the most of of life, and and Elliot's kind of waiting for he doesn't know what. Okay. So now you two obviously know one another from the show. Do you the other performers who are in it are they uh, TV uh, actors? Do you know them from stage work? They are. Jillian, yeah. Did you know any of them before the piece? I know Alex Breckenridge okay. as a friend of Ryan's. She's a fantastic actress. Um, Robert, okay. I I met just recently. Okay, but not from. Uh, but you're the only two on the show. That is correct. Okay. From from this one, from yeah. This one, and yeah. then I did a show called Dirt before this on FX. With Alex Breckenridge, okay. who's playing Amy, and Robert Baker is a very talented actor who I met at uh, at SC Theater, and uh, so he's out here and he's been working on Grey's Anatomy and various various shows and films and things. Gotcha. So yeah. Now uh, I uh, another thing that Julie and I were talking about. I was telling her before we went on the air about um, this one person show that I did for for a long time. Uh, 
uh, that I wrote. Um, I'm always interested uh, when I speak to a playwright about the decision to have it, to direct it yourself. Um, was that something that you knew you wanted to do from the creation of the piece? Was that something you just sort of decided a little later? Because I, I always found, and, and it probably had a lot to do with my own feeling of inadequacy as a director at that point in time, that, uh, I, you know, the mindset and the mantra is always, you got to have an, uh, an outside eye on this. you got to have an outside eye on this. Someone's got to be watching this. Someone's got to point, you know, think. And uh, d did that ever occur to you? Is that something that was... Uh, really conscious or what it's it's very true that you need an objective eye someone you know that's not as close to it as as i am or as jillian is as you know to the play right watching and, and giving you this works this doesn't work and i'm you know we're having a few friends come in you know who have theater experience and watch a dress and say maybe shift this or that and and give us some feedback yeah which i'm very open to but i i i can't see it I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have the capacity to let someone else direct something I've written. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eventually one day if I write something that you know, I don't know, goes on to something and, and needs another director, I'd probably let that happen. But it it seems hard because you write it so you kind of see it in your head, you know, sort of how it should be. Right. And so in the directing, you try and just sort of continue that writing into the into the production. So. Uh Overwhelming with also performing in it was it uh, was it more than you bargained for was it less is it I mean what what is the just just to to do the trifecta to perform in it to write it and to also be directing it was it just very very stressful can you tell it, I have anxiety disorder yeah. that these are my all of my questions it's, this is your mother could this you your sleep mother. I could, I'm just talking about it I can't sleep and I'm not even in the play yeah. <laughs> it's you know it's 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 not as bad as it sounds it sounds like you know writer director it sounds like a ton of work but it's actually the direction is very simple because it's it's one set, you know, which okay. is really nice. So there's not a lot of big changes and transitions and no water ballet. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't have anyone coming down from the ceiling, and so it's 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 nice that you just have four actors on one set, you know, and just some some simple blocking. And I also cast great actors like Jillian, Alex, and Robert, so I trust them to move where they want to move and and sort of I give them a lot of leeway to do it and then say oh that's good keep that or no that doesn't work gotcha. more so than do this or do that okay and it's not uh, and the, the, so there are four characters total yes okay and it's not especially another thing I um, a lot of the times we, we talk to people about their plays and they describe it to us and we go oh you know that sounds really intriguing let me just look um, at the promotional material, oh, it's nine hours. Yeah, yeah. There's a meal break and a shaving break. Uh, so it's Showers, uh, yeah. So, but it's uh, 105 minutes with. Uh, is that what it is about 100? I think it's pro it's just under two hours. Just under two so hours with, it, with an intermission. Yeah. Yes. So nice evening and no trying sort of you know flat pancake ass by the end of right the <laughs> yes no there's nothing worse than you know even for a good play if it just yeah. goes on you're like oh man it's you only have so long that you can sit and watch yeah this one thing you exactly. know exactly which which explains why my my self-penned uh, sequel to uh nicholas nickleby didn't do well <laughs> yes um, i thought i thought it had a winning title but aside from that it just it's, yeah it's, not, it's dimeless Dimeleby. i think there's potential thank you dimeless Dimeleby. oh i kill myself sometimes <laughs> really do there's potential for a rewrite maybe we're not we're not done with that oh <laughs> Potential for the rewrite on mine or on yours? With yours, yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Let's not call that. Down. Yeah, don't, don't. I was just gonna say, don't push the rewrite before you've opened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wasn't sure if you were talking about your play. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. Now the four-week run is that dictated by your uh, shoot schedule? Did you just? Is it dictated by the venue? As venue's availability? Because I know there's a lot going on at the Stella Adler. There, there always is, seems yeah. to be something going on. There. It's it's a great space. They always have great through uh, shows coming through and 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 great people around, and it's cool to be around. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was mainly just, uh, it seemed to me, sort of the basic minimum run. You know, I'd, I'd love to do two months, three months, you know, but it's hard with the TV schedules. And also, I don't know how many people are going to, you know, like you said, come out to see But that's just it. Consolidate into four weeks. Get the audience. You know, it, it's it's comedic. So, you know, better you have that contagion laughter by concentrating the people in four weeks rather than spread it out over six Sure. You know, so I think that's very, very wise. There's a lot of people who produce shows in town. It's just like, 
you know, well, we're, we're you know we're gonna play it safe. We're just starting with three months. All right. And then sure. We're just sure. Like oh, month two, you're going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. And now just uh, on the logistical side because it is such a factor out here in uh, in L.A. The uh, if you go to the Stella Adler, you can park at Hollywood and Highland, right? Do they you have can some park sort of at the Kodak right there? And I don't mean to hit you up for for that information, but no, it is, no, yeah. it's really important to people. I know it is. I think at the Kodak you can park. It's two bucks. I think. Oh, really? Validation, yeah, which isn't bad, you know. No. So, and there's street parking, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust that. No. I would, but uh, yeah. No, just stay, <laughs> stick with the Kodak. Yeah. Stay in a structure. Spend the two dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, plus, you can also walk over to Musso and Frank's and get the best martini in history. Yes, Have absolutely. Have you ever gone over there? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh man, Musso and Frank's is the oldest. Uh, ah yes, 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 yes. The yes. oldest restaurant in Hollywood with the original staff, I oh, think. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guys are like a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> But the uh, but it's a killer martini there. Yeah. I don't I don't like the food there so much because it's like really old. Is that east or west of Highland? Uh, that is east. East. It's yes. just east. Okay. We need the New Yorker to tell us east or west of Highland. Right. That's sure. Just sure. Really shows how much I know. I've only been here since '96. What do I know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, they do they do the old Howard Johnson jackets. You know, they got the jackets. You yes, know, with that yeah. that uh, polyester that the water beads mm-hmm. on. Gets you know, particularly itchy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a nice it's nice. Go in there, make it in it. We'll pitch the evening. You don't pitch the show. You pitch the evening. That's so right. So go yes. to Musso and Frank's, and then go see this play, uh, Amy and Elliot. And actually, let's give the stats on that right now for people who want to know. This is Amy and Elliot, written and directed by Ryan Eggold. Opening January 7th and running through January 30th, there is a preview the 6th at 8 p.m. The show is Fridays and Saturdays at 8 and Sundays at 3. Always a good matinee. Hmm. You do the matinee, go over there, hit up the Hollywood Farmer's Market, and then go over to the matinee. We here at State of the Arts, we provide all of your entertainment needs. (laughs) We'll even stock your refrigerator for you. (laughs) The Stella Adler Gilbert Stage is at 6773 Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles. 90028 that's 6773 Hollywood Boulevard in LA 90028 for reservations call 323-960-7863 that's 323-960-7863 or online at plays411.com I'll put the backslash information in but better to just go there and look for it it's plays411.com backslash Amy and Elliot that's plays411.com Amy and Elliot Elliot has two L's tickets $20 for general admission and uh, look forward to saying I'm gonna, we're going to catch that well, Michael and I are definitely going to go see that please I, do I would, I, I would I love always thoughts, need, yeah. Ryan is yep. I just have to say you've done such a phenomenal job oh thanks Julian and having met through the show um, in that medium in and of itself it's been it's been a real pleasure to not only work with him but to watch to watch him as an actor and, and even if you just have to come and see it to, to, to see Elliot he's just this <laughs> indelible freak of he nature is fun, and he's, he is a fun character you know who he is? he's that guy that you shouldn't everyone everyone has a crush on but no one can quite understand why <laughs> and you shouldn't yeah mm. yeah no no <laughs> he there was really a- is he's, he's not a we don't get to see a lot of characters like him these days at least not well written ones I mean you've done a he's done a really really great job but I know that description though we all know someone like that I worked in restaurants for years and there was always that one guy that everyone everyone there had a crush on it was just like why and then then (laughs) you got under the surface and you found out why yeah that's that that's part of the pleasure of the play it explores those really awkward spaces between things that are and things that maybe shouldn't be or should be in between you know intimacy of friends and and romance and and you know reality and dreams and it, it it all meshes together in a really witty dialogue driven machine that's incredibly entertaining but but the characters themselves are, are so Ryan has like quite a knack for um, very honest dialogue and so these characters themselves are uh, they're such everyday people that that we can all relate to, and, and Elliot is in particular. Maybe he's my favorite because he's Jolene's favorite. But <laughs> but but You're Elliot just becoming is your character. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's but I mean, is, um, he's he's really a really really watchable, lo- lovable character. Mm. And so I think if anything else, y'all should come down and see Mr. 
Eggle does as Elliot. Well, you know, I think that uh, what you said about the dialogue, I noticed that in the press material too. The fact that the dialogue is, you know, th- that it says dialogue driven. Mm. Uh, I see a lot of plays. And uh, what I see a great deal of the time is I see people who are performing written material. And when I say that, I mean, obviously it's written material, but they're performing, especially with comedy, you see people performing written comedy. And on the page, it's completely different. On the page, you have your audience captive. You can guide them over the course of a paragraph. You can guide them over the course of a page. Performing it is completely different. So whenever I see attention paid, even in the promotional material, if it it addresses something about the dialogue, it's like, okay, if it's dialogue-driven, then I know there's going to be a crackle factor to it. Um, One of the things I do, I don't know if you do it, uh, Ryan, when you write, but a lot of the times well, I'll write a piece and then I will go away from the computer, stand up and paraphrase what I just wrote. Hmm. And then I'll go back and I'll rewrite it con- more conversational. From the, is that, you're talking about dialogue. If you're yeah. Writing dialogue. Yeah. Because That's interesting, yeah. when you move around, you talk like we are now, you know, it's, uh, you, your speech pattern and your rhythms are completely different, you know? Sure. But I want to get back to something that you said, Julian, that about, uh, because it, it is one of those things that is addressed a lot, actually, in, in film and, and on television, but, but not a lot in stage plays, which is that gray area between uh, friendship and, and romance. And it, it's, it's, it's rarely honestly addressed. That's the yeah. thing. You see, it, you see it sort of, you know, as a, a kind of cliched tool for standard romantic comedy where it's just like, you know, person A, person B, oh, this. It's usually but, portrayed as casual sex. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. Hello. Okay, I was, well. getting, I was getting to that. It's okay, it's internet radio. Fantastic. We can even say the we F word. <laughs> I was going to say 10 before this is done. So my way out, shout. There's no FC. No, last week, Michael, uh, we had a, a person on the show who was describing a play that they were in called Fubar. Mm. And <gasps> I don't know if you know the term, but... Mm. Uh, oh, you don't mean Fubar based off of the Canadian cult film? No, I, well, the, I I know Fubar because I'm I'm elderly, um, <laughs> but uh, the Fubar from the military term is fucked up mm, beyond yeah, all recognition. Right. And uh, it was the first time the F word was uttered on mm. our show. And Michael, who can be just he's he's such an elegant man. He's just got this great voice, and he's just so. <laughs> I I never completely lost it on the air except for last week because the guy said fucked up beyond all, all recognition. Michael says. Oh, the F word on Christmas. <laughs> Not on Christmas. Like, sorry, Michael. Sorry, the F word. But um, how? Space. How? <laughs> that awkward space that we've all yes. we've all been to, and uh, yeah, it's really it's really refreshing to see someone not only address that, but to address it in the way that um, that this play does, because it's. I think this play kind of comes across maybe as like a stream of consciousness rambling that we all have inside our heads especially in that that transition transitional period between um between being a kid and then having to grow up and you know freedom and having to adapt to all the responsibilities of adulthood and and Elliot this play is essentially Elliot's stream of consciousness oh is it like that is it montage is it uh, no. Is it? no 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 uh no well it's it's naturalistic it. in tone you know yeah but but there's a stream of consciousness element i agree with you just and the in sparring terms of between the characters it's i mean it's just it all is it's written and it's delivered in such a kind of refreshing raw honest manner that it i think to me it comes across as, as a little bit of like a Sure, in the sense that they say what they're thinking, you know, and there's not a lot of subterfuge. There's a lot of well, there's thinking. It's a lot of thinking out loud. It's a right, lot of exploration right. out loud. You know, that's right. what we're doing. All of our characters are sort of trying to figure out and and um, trying to to move on this this ch- awkward chessboard. I was going to break the chessboard. I like that the chessboard. Right. No, it, it was more like we're just we're all here trying to figure out our next moves, but there's no answers. It's all sort of just a, an honest questioning and. And that bringing it back to what you were saying about um, exploring those those spaces between the the known or the expected and right. that's what's I think so so cool about this play and, and it's and also just about that conversation in general you know we're we're allowing ourselves to um, not have the answers but to kind of just think out loud and probe each other and provoke each other and spar and question and and it all comes across um, really honestly without having any 
you know, concrete answers. And uh, and it's not wrapped up in 22 minutes because it's a sitcom. You know, it's a, I mean, you, you're free to do that theatrically because you know life is not like that. Because this you know? isn't TV, right? right. <laughs> this is the madhouse that we all right. Yeah, well, and also TV sa- to be. it says something too about how you. I mean, you two. I mean, a TV schedules are crazy. They're brutal. And the fact that you two want to continue to work together in a in a. a a format that's only a little less grueling, or maybe not even less grueling, uh, uh, live theater. I mean, that says something about your friendship and the, the desire to work together. Particularly Jill. Jillian works on the show much more than I come in, like, two days a week. So I'm, you know, drinking margaritas at the, the other half of the week. But uh, but Jillian is uh, is in there every day, so it's <laughs> so it's 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 really nice. Jillian, he's got a margarita right now. Yeah, okay? come on, just it's pretty we're on the radio, we we can. Let I just this came be from Muso and Frank's. I'm gonna get a martini. You know. <laughs> but yeah, no, so it's great. It's great, and I I just appreciate seeing actors like Jillian who have this busy TV schedule doing a play when they could be, you know. Uh, Focusing could be on that stuff. I don't know, well, doing your TV I mean, stuff, auditioning for a film or something, yeah, or you know, the madhouse that you know television is and our schedule is is also um it, it's so time consuming in an, in and of its time driven schedule in itself you know we have to, we're not just working with one director's vision right it's it's we're working with the producers and the network and the studio so we're, we're delivering right. a product whereas yeah. and so and, and because of that you know even rehearsals are like a, a luxury really and right. we're getting our lines or rewrites sure, delivered to time. our trailer two seconds before we have a camera in our face and hair and makeup my, my point is Stage moving to stage, which for me, uh, this is this is my first time um, doing stage in LA. This is such a pleasure because it is completely spontaneous, and not only it's the immediate. stage as a medium, it's but, immediate. but also can... the characters. I mean, Ryan and Alex and Robert are all so so um, fabulously honest and and just awkward, and and uh, and our spine on stage is really. Just creates like a really refreshing spontaneity that that I don't that I think it's really challenging to to find in television because of the pace of the medium. Right. Well, and also what you the immediacy of it. You have a reaction. You do something, and your your audience is right there, and you have something come back at you. You have an energy come back at you that fuels you to go. You have laughter coming back at you, and you don't, you don't have, have that. You don't have the DP right deciding he needs to switch the lighting up last minute. Or sure. Yeah. And what I love is that there's no cut. Yeah. You know, that oh, the, yes. you get to live on stage for, you know, two hours and really, you know, occupy this character yeah. and, and TV or film, anything on screen is so choppy. Yeah. You know, start, go, start, go, eat, you know, some food for an hour, you know, sit over after, here. Yeah, after board. sitting around for two hours, not doing or three, four hours, not doing anything. And you're sure. always so in control of how the final product comes out in television, right? I mean, sure. barely in Ryan control. Ryan and I shoot a three sure. minute scene yeah. and they take... 30-second pieces here and there, right, and it becomes right, right. its own yeah. its own machine that we didn't necessarily have control over, whereas on stage it's... Well, people have to justify their positions by fixing things. Sure, well, we have sure. to fix this. Right. We have to fix this nine times. You'll see, I mean, not, not specifically this show, just in general, you see a script start off great, you know, and do a rewrite, and it's great, and then five rewrites later, it's yeah. like, what happened to this thing? It yeah. used to be great, and now it's all mixed up. And A person I knew who wrote for television said that once. They said, you know... Um, I was watching some, uh, a friend of mine was watching television and they were like, you know, boy, this is just dreck. I could write a hundred times better than this. And the person who actually wrote for television was saying, well, you have to at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's got to be fixed 90 times by a bunch of people. And that's the that's the fixed product. Sure. You know? yeah. um, no, but also you guys have, um, and I don't mean to, to put it on your shoulders, but as younger people, you do have... Not a responsibility, but it, it's it's a it's a good thing for you to do. If you do have a following from the television show, which you do, it's a popular show. Um, we need to get people your age and younger into see live theater. I mean, you only have to go to uh, any of the the larger theaters in town, the Amundsen or the Mark Taper or something, Kirk Douglas or something like that. And you don't see a lot of younger people there. That's one of the reasons I was so happy when I saw um, at the Pantages um, the um, in the Heights because mm. it was I was I was sitting there. I had a 17-year-old girl to my right, and I had an 80-year-old man to my left, and they were standing and applauding and, mm. and cheering at the same time. It's like this is what we need. So this is why we're so grateful for productions like this. That, uh, but that being said, now I know that it. 
as a 46 year old man is how how specific are these references how specific is i know you said it in the 90s to mm-hmm. give it the nostalgic feel that you mentioned in your uh, in your pr stuff but um as a 46 year old man going to see it am i going to feel uh, that I, it's not something I can relate to. I mean, is it just is it because of the universality of, of friendship or friendships and romance and relationships that I'll still be cool with it? Or? I, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, my mom uh, saw a reading of it uh, that I did a little a little while ago, just because I hadn't touched it in so long. I wanted to hear it out loud, and and uh, and she really loved it. And she's um, I won't give her exact age or she'll kill me, but she's she's you know. <laughs> she's saying she's close to my age. Yes, in yes. Some way. And. Um, and and she really liked it and and I I think she, well I mean I'm her son she has to like it first off you know or <laughs> no. the, but I really think that a we've all been there you know we've all right. gone through that transition from being a kid to being an adult and we've all freaked out and we've all seen a friend get married or you know if if you're, if you're in that age or or been married or whatever it is and um and then not to mention one of the themes that we that we try and get at is that you're never done learning and right. growing and changing and, and messing up and making mistakes and learning from those and and uh, you know whether you're 10 years old or you're, or you're 50 years old so um, there's a timelessness to the to like the entire you know the theme of of all that gray matter okay and so I think I think okay I, I had assumed as much but it's good to hear because a lot of times you know I mean I'm, I'm not as you know current with the pop culture references of, of people of your age so I don't want to go there and sure. and, and feel like the bartender at Musso and Frags you know? yeah, yeah right right <laughs> these kids I tell you <laughs> okay we got five minutes left but what I have to uh, oh you know what I think we actually have a call from the lovely and talented Michael Sterling who I think is going to chime in with us let me see if we have Michael on the line Mr. Sterling are you with us I am with you and I am calling to uh, say that that I had auditioned for a Ryan's play. I had auditioned for it. For one of the roles. <laughs> you did. And you did. Yeah, no, Ryan. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How are you, Ryan Jillian? Welcome. I'm good. Hi. Thanks for having us. So, Thank Michael, you. what role did you audition for? Because well, I I, wrote, I, I auditioned for the, the very role that Ryan is playing. <laughs> this and, is a uh, this was when yeah. he was contemplating not appearing in the show himself. Oh, you know. I heard about this. This was the the strictly nursing home tour, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I felt a little bad, but you know, hey, that's Hollywood. I've been there before, and uh, and uh, we all have, right? But listen. Yeah, it really wasn't Honestly. Michael. I really wanted you to do it. I had other people standing over my shoulder telling me other things. It was, you know, it's a hard decision. <laughs> I'm well, sure you did. And by the way, Ryan, your mother's 58. <laughs> and now outed. Outed on the radio. Well, Michael, I'm sure that if they, knowing where your theatrical tastes run, I'm sure when they do Amy and Elliot, the 3D musical, <laughs> that you will be first online for that. I will be indeed. I will be indeed. <laughs> Hey, listen, I, uh, forgive me for interrupting you. I just wanted to say thank you to both of you uh, and, and uh, Jillian for being with us today, and I'm terribly sorry that I was uh, hit by a nasty cold that was going to uh, play havoc with me if I would have come into the studio, and I didn't want to expose myself to you guys since you're in rehearsal, and Paul has just gotten over a bad cold over the holidays. So thank, thank you, you Michael, I, for... Thank you for not coming in and exposing yourself. We appreciate that. I've exposed myself before. Yes. That's that's actually why we couldn't cast you. (laughs) And that's how you got the cold. That's all. Well, you know, if I I expose myself, then maybe you could extend. I don't know. Oh, lady. He's here all week. Michael, I'm hanging up on you after that. Hey, feel better, All Michael. Right. All right, thanks. We're going to come see your show, and uh, everybody else that's listening to this broadcast, go and see Amy and Elliot. Okay. Michael, Can't thanks wait, for man. calling we'll, in. We'll see you afterwards. All right. The lo- you, lovely and talented Michael Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have, uh, let's see, we got about two minutes left. Um, Ryan, uh, another thing I was talking to Jillian about was we always ask people to tell their most embarrassing, humiliating, or disastrous on-stage story. I know I didn't give you much of a warm-up because you didn't know this was coming. Jillian, have you had any time to think about anything pop into your head as the the worst thing to happen on stage? Embarrassing, awkward, you disastrous? Know, not, not much embarrasses me. No. Sad. no, it's true. I mean, I'm pretty, unfortunately, <laughs> I, awkwardly gosh. comfortable. But... Got, oh, but... I will get to see Ryan naked behind the kitchen counter in the play. You will? So I can foresee... There is a ever-so-brief moment, yes, a flash, if you will. 
Oh, so that's why Michael auditioned. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. The exposing was welcome. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was understood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I've got a pretty good story. I can't say all the details because I you know I don't know who's listening. I can get in trouble. But I was in college and it was my. I was a freshman doing a play with all the seniors, so it was my big moment. You okay. know, I felt very cool. And I, <laughs> at, at intermission, I was a theater nerd, you know, it was, it was a dream come true. So it's intermission, and the older guys are like, have a drink with us. And they start drinking shots, and we basically get inebriated at intermission. <laughs> I go out on stage, and I completely blank. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of tipsy <laughs> and completely have no idea what my line is. And there's just a good 30 seconds of silence between me and the and the lead, just us on stage. <laughs> Which just, of course oh, on stage is a four hour. Was an eternity. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm a freshman. I want to make a good impression. And I'm just sitting there going, uh, uh, why? I, uh, and then she was like, Do you want to take me for a walk? Would you like to go for a walk? And then I and then we made it. Oh, it was terrible though. I just wanted to fit in and be cool, and it, it didn't work out. What a br- can you give that to me again? That brilliant ad lib. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I want to thank you for. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, Robin Williams. He's Robin Williams. <laughs> okay, well, we're gonna wind it up. We're going to uh, remind everyone that the show is Amy and Elliot, and it is at the Stella Adler Theater. And uh, please listen to the uh, listen to the broadcast again tomorrow online at stateoftheartsla.com or at latalkradio.com, or check out our podcast on Wednesday of the coming week. So you can listen to it, and uh, it really sounds like a wonderful production. It was a pleasure meeting both of you. Very, very nice people. We are now going to wish Michael Sterling a healthy recovery and have him in here next week. And we're, in keeping with our Christmas theme and staying with the season, we're going to let Mr. Anthony, Anthony Field play us off the air with a little song called You and Me on Christmas Eve. See you next week. I've been all around the world. time of year But once I spent Christmas with you, girl One thing was very clear You could be walking on the Great Wall of China I could be sitting either Pine in Carolina Nothing is better to me than you and me on Christmas Eve You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio.